Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. There wasn't much more Kyler Murray could have done on Sunday, and what he did had never been seen before in the NFL. He continues to put up some incredible numbers. Speaking of numbers, we look at the numbers Christian Kirk has totaled since returning. Also, the returns of Marcus Golden, Josh Morrow, Jalen Thompson, as well as Max Williams, all positive. Plus, we'll look at how the rest of the NFC West fared in Week 9. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 348, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Well, as we inch closer and closer to the month of December, MJ, it is certainly feeling like football weather as I woke up. And again, Bird Gang, this is for those listening to this here in the Valley. It was in the upper 40s. It got a little chilly, and I got to admit, I kind of liked it. Well, it's finally, you know, a change from what it's been. You can always tell when the weather starts to break, Craig, mornings and evenings, and people don't realize the desert gets brisk. Oh, yeah. And And, for me, a guy that doesn't have a lot of uh, meat on his bones, uh, I had to wear, you know, a hoodie this morning as I was getting ahead to State Farm Stadium. Well, as Larry Fitzgerald once said, those are champagne problems as we'll kind (laughs) of divert ourselves to what the problems if you will are for the Arizona Cardinals here through week nine a five and three record before we go any further here on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals do need to let everyone know that the team did make a roster move cornerback Devontae Bosby released he did not play much on Sunday in fact he wasn't even here for very long was signed on October 30th provided a little depth, but apparently the Cardinals saw all that they needed to on Sunday against the Dolphins and are going to go in a different direction. This obviously hopefully means that the Cardinals will have Byron Murphy active and available this week as he clears COVID-19 protocols. We'll kind of wait and see how that progresses throughout the week. Yeah, and possibly Drake or Patrick. He's been dealing with some injuries. Maybe it was best just to kind of shut him down, let him get healthy. He obviously has to do a much better job in coverage and tackling in the open field because a lot of times, in, including this week, Josh Allen, he'll get on the outside and you got to make sure you you know, you look at the thighs and the legs, and so, you know, but he's got experience, and I think it will settle things down in that secondary. Obviously, Jalen Thompson returned. He had the highest grade on pro football focus defensively. You got Patrick over there. This would be another good test for him, possibly on Stephon Diggs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a scenario where, you know, Murphy's clearly a slot guy, and then Kirkpatrick, and then Peterson outside. And then, you know, maybe we'll see Isaiah Simmons more in some sub packages if teams are on third down. And then Deontay Thompson, I, I think he could be with some some guy if you're going to go six defensive back. So I think they're going to have some, uh, some options, but obviously COVID and then obviously some injuries. So hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, you hit on some of the topics that we wanted to get into on today's show. And let's start with that defense and just the number of players 
players that were welcomed back, if you will, with the Cardinals. A couple of former Cardinals returning with Marcus Golden and Josh Morrow. And then you brought up Jalen Thompson returning. Also, tight end Max Williams back on the field. Thompson and Williams have been out since week one at San Francisco. And that feels like an eternity ago. But specifically, Golden and Morrow, two of the three sacks recorded in the ball game by those two Cardinal players. And certainly with Marcus Golden in the absence of Devon Kennard and obviously Chandler Jones, certainly good to have not only Golden here, but make an impact immediately. Yeah, and you know, I've been using the word plug and play, and that's what Vance told us last week. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like he was coming off the street. Obviously, he was with the Giants. He had to go through the COVID protocol for five days, but he was on the practice field. He just brings a lot of energy. And then, you know, Josh Morrow, I mean, Lucky Foe, too, is, is getting a chance to play a little bit more now that Zach Allen's out. But Murrow, he, uh, he's a guy that really can add some energy. And uh, I like the fact that he was sealing the edge, you know. Obviously, Jordan Phillips has been dealing with a hamstring injury for the last couple of weeks. You still got Steady Eddie and Corey Peters in there. So I like uh, the fact that they had intel on both of those guys, and I thought they actually played well and gave that defense a lift. Golden on the field for 56% of the defensive snaps. Here's his stat line. Five tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, one pass defense. Morrow on the field for 41% of the defensive snaps and recorded one sack. And Vance Joseph described Morrow as an older Zach Allen, that that is someone that they see in Zach Allen that can develop into what Morrow has provided over the course of his career in the National Football League. Again, not real imposing figures, talking about Allen and Morrow, but just the experience and then obviously the football IQ. Sometimes you don't need that talent. You don't need to be that physical specimen if you know angles if you know kind of how to shift your weight and little tricks of the trade especially on the outside edge or a defensive end you can get past the guard you can get past the tackle the tight end and get to the ball carrier or the quarterback yeah and we saw Marcus Golden you know winning his matchups on the outside he he got close to the quarterback a few different times I want to say maybe one was taken back on a penalty but correct for the most part though I mean you know, in you look at one of the Tua's runs, uh, Devondre Campbell had a great angle, and he couldn't bring him down for the most part. And, you know, obviously he's been a, a fixture inside with uh, Jordan Hicks. But when you can get some guys that play with passion and energy, and, it, and, and it's not forced, it's natural, that's what you see from Josh and Marcus. And, and that's, can, to me, infectious when you start looking at other players. Maybe they don't have the most talent, even though I think Golden's got talent. Uh, Josh is more of a guy like Max Williams meeting potatoes where he's going to stick his nose in a fan. He's not afraid to get, you know, into a scuffle, meaning like he's going to try to, you know, beat you at the point of attack. So I like that they had some physicality, and I thought that going into the offseason, the biggest thing in that front seven was physicality. Obviously, Blackson, uh, you throw in, obviously, Campbell. And then, when you know, when they had, you know, some of the other guys like um, – you know, uh, I guess Jordan Hicks, but I really liked what they did in the front seven. But again, they got to do a much better job putting more pressure on the quarterback, forcing turnovers, and they got to do a better job containing the run. You're not going to shut it down, but you got to put teams in third and long, and that's where I think they can benefit from getting to the quarterback. You talked about the passion that a Golden and Morrow have for the game of football, and that certainly was evident on Sunday after their sacks or after a big play. And there weren't a lot of fans in attendance at State Farm Stadium, 4,200. There'll be 4,200 again this week with the Buffalo Bills coming to town. But just that energy alone, I think, certainly helped 
and I think we need to see it now at the start of ball games and consistently through the entire four quarters as opposed to just when it's a big play. Sometimes you need to bring your own energy, especially during this season when you're not really going to get it when you're playing in front of 60, 65, 70,000 fans empty as far as seats in the stands well we know if Kyler Murray's running or throwing a nice uh, you know bomb to a guy like Christian Kirk that's going to get the sidelines up and again they need to get back to playing complimentary football where you know if the other team scores they got a counter Uh, you you know you don't want to go three and out and you know unfortunately you know when Kyler said it laid an egg I think that was more just they weren't able to win that game but they started off and then you know Murray Obviously trying to make a play, and I'm not going to fault them for that, but sometimes you just got to throw the ball away, and unfortunately he fumbled that ball, so they got off to a rough start offensively. But they settled down. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Hopkins probably wants some more touches, but uh, I thought the tight ends did a really good job. As a matter of fact, two of those touchdowns came from Darrell Daniels. Great throw, uh, great catch. I mean, he literally had to wrestle it away. Uh, from the defensive back, and he also was able to keep uh, his body in, in, in bounce. And then Max Williams, you know how I feel about him. I think they missed him. Um, I think it was clear, and uh, he got a touchdown. So, you know, we talk about the weapons on the outside, the skill position players, but these these tight ends, I mean, uh, we know that Max is more of a blocker, but he also, if you want to leave Moby, he's going to catch it. Uh, Dan Arnold over the last couple of games has made some key catches in the seam. And then Darrell Daniels, he's getting better every single week. He's just got to cut down on some of the mental errors. How about this, Nugget? The first career two-touchdown game by the tight end position under head coach Cliff Kingsbury, Daniels and Williams with touchdowns in the game against the Miami Dolphins. But Max Williams had not been on the field since week one at San Francisco, and he played 34 snaps, 49% of the offensive snaps, the most of any of the tight ends and he gave a lot of credit when he met with the media earlier today on this Tuesday the training staff the coaching staff to bring them along slowly let at the same time hey we need you we're not going to rush you but here's what we think you are capable of doing within this offense so let's work together to make sure one you're healthy and then two you're able to contribute on the football field yeah and and you know you you, you never want to rush back because then you have a setback and then next thing you know you, you know you don't want to miss you know meaningful football in November and December and hopefully in January. So, yeah, we we know that they have a great staff and, and Buddy Morris and, and Tom Reed um, and then Chad. I mean, even if these guys aren't practicing, they're also getting treatment. They're working on the other field, uh, trying to get stretched out. So, you know, there's no reason to rush them back. I, I definitely thought they missed him, but you could see the upside when he's in the game. And we did see a little bit more 11 and 12 personnel. And that means maybe Dan Arnold becomes your weapon on the outside or the seam, and then Max Williams helping to block, and he can also flare out for a pass. So for the most part, I, I do think the tight ends, again, I don't think they're going to finish with uh, you know 10 catches every week, but I, I do think there are uh, other options, and I think Murray trusts throwing the ball to those guys. And I know you've been uh, big on this as well as Ron Wolfley, but the absence of Max Williams, and yes, this team has certainly been able to run the football without him, but the presence of Max Williams on the line of scrimmage, acting as that sixth blocker, if you will, you don't have to bring in an extra offensive lineman although we did see that with Josh Jones on occasion. But certainly having Max Williams on the field can only mean better things for that Cardinals ground game. Oh, there's no doubt. And, 
you know, we we know that last year when Christian Kirk got hurt, that's when they started going more to 11 and 12 personnel. I think their base offense is 11 personnel because Max Williams can do a little bit of both. He's he's also a guy that you don't need to bring in a Josh Jones as an extra blocker. And then when they go on to go 12 personnel, um, they both can flare out. But, yeah, I, I just think they're a better, uh, more consistent offense when Max Williams is, is in the game. Now, to be fair, here's the Cardinals' offense, the ground game, as far as where it stands here through nine weeks. They have the second-most rushing yards this season, 1,303. They have the second-best yards per carry average in the National Football League at 5.2, and their 13 rushing touchdowns rank tied for second-best in the National Football League. Certainly not what we expected here in 2020 under Kingsbury, but certainly this offense has learned to adapt, and it's because you have the personnel, whether that's Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds running the football, and then the offensive line and the tight end position up front providing those rushing lanes. Yeah, I mean, they are still number one in total yards. Now, I don't think anybody says, hey, if you're number one in total yards, uh, you know, how many points you score in a game, you know? So, it's, it's beats the alternative. Uh, they're first in first downs right now. They're averaging 26 first downs. Um, you know, you look at third down conversion, they're 13th. Fourth down, they're tied for third. Goal to goal, they're second overall. Time of possession, you know, to me is misleading. It's what you do when you get the ball. They're 25th there. But they're averaging 29.3 points per game. And that's a lot more than a year ago. Yeah, the – Four straight games now of 30 or more points, the longest active streak in the NFL, yet certainly 31, typically enough to win ball games, but not on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And to be fair, the way the scoring is up across the league, and we've been talking about it all season long, yep. 30 is maybe almost like the new 20, if you will. You need to get to that 35, may, dare I say 40, benchmark in order to really feel comfortable with where you're at to be able to walk off the field with a win. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, I mean, they're rushing close to 170 yards per game. That's second in the NFL. Uh, yards per carry, 5.15. That's second in the NFL. And I know a lot to do with Murray, uh, but again, you got to give the offensive line a ton of credit because they're better than they were a year ago. Two of the three highest rushing totals of the season. Week one, 180 rushing yards, and then week nine, 178 rushing yards. The common denominator, there's several, but one in particular is Max Williams. Yeah. And, you know, the first game of the year, um, I went back and looked at his pro football focus grade, which, you know, a grain of salt. Um, maybe he was dealing with an injury because he missed a lot of training camp. And obviously, I don't know, re-aggravation, but, you know, I'm glad they, they shut him down because he's a different player and you could see – uh, when we got a chance to talk to him on Tuesday, that you know it was hard for him to sit there and watch games. He said he became a fan during the Seahawks game. He fanned out, but he said it's it, sitting at home watching on TV. It's not the same. But he really likes that tight end room. What do you call them? Problem solvers. He talked about the tight end room being quote we're problem solvers, and that's the entire tight end room. And Steve Hyden, who is the yes. tight ends coach, the position coach. So yeah, they are certainly guys that. Whatever is needed, whatever yep. is asked of them, whether that's blocking, whether that is going out for a pass, being a decoy, catching yep. the ball, they can do whatever. It's just something little that doesn't get talked a lot about the tight end position overall and then specifically within this offense. Well, I mean, you go back to, you know, Kingsbury didn't get enough credit for running the football, you know, at Texas Tech. And 
they obviously at one year I want to say they led the the rushing, but you know we we know it's a passing league. Um, but you also have to protect the quarterback. And Kyler Murray, he's only been hit 19 times. That is the number one uh, in the National Football League. And you look like the Eagles, and there are like 75 hits on their quarterback. He's only been sacked what? Ten times now? Ten times, which is tied for the second fewest in the National Football League. Yeah, and and again, I, I know he still wants to be a pocket passer. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, when you start looking at him throwing inside the numbers, that's gotten better. Um, we know he can make that throw from the right hash across the field. Um, so, again, um, when you look at it, don't take this wrong, Craig, but I love all these stats. It beats the alternative, you know, over the last two years under Wilkes and McCoy. They hit rock bottom. They made strides last year. But I would trade all these stats in for wins. Yes, and that's kind of what we're getting at. It Like, everything looks good on paper. And here we go to our off-season buzzword, on paper. And then, yes, everything looks good from an offense and defensive standpoint as far as the metrics and the numbers. Yet what is mattering the most is what did you do at the end of the ball game as far as how many points you put up and the Cardinals certainly have put up their fair share of points but it's only and I say only resulted in five wins of the eight games that they played and the two games that I think we all look back in at and say what if is week three against the Lions and then Sunday against the Dolphins two games that they not only were in it but certainly a couple of plays away from walking off the field with a victory. And then, of course, now you're sitting there looking at a 6-2 and two mark or a 7-1 and one mark and then going, wow, this team has really taken that second step or that giant leap in year two. Well, if you're 6-2, and two, you're, you're on the top of the NFC Yes, with a couple other teams. I mean, the Seahawks have lost back-to-back games. You know, the Niners, they obviously had a ton of injuries. The Rams, they got a tough schedule coming up. You know, the Cardinals will face them in a couple weeks here. So, you know, you look at the NFC West, yes, it may be the best division in football, but it seems like they're going to beat each other up. And as you pointed out correctly over the last couple of weeks, the Cardinals are the only team with a 2-0 record in the division. And then you start getting in the conference wins. But, hey, you got to win, you know, you got to beat AFC teams. They they obviously lost to the Dolphins. They beat the Jets. They're going to go to New England here coming up. But now you got the Bills coming in town. They count. But I like the fact that the Cardinals have taken care of business in the division. And we always talk about going three and three. You get to three wins, get, get greedy, go four, scratch out some home wins. And this team has won three road games already this year. Bird Gang update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com app for more. As we continue on this Tuesday, Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and Kyler Murray. Yes, he gets talked a lot about MJ, but I think for good reason because he continues to put up numbers that we have not seen, obviously, with the Arizona Cardinals and the numbers we have not seen across the NFL. By the way, real quick, Murray up for a FedEx Ground Player of the Week honor. He's been nominated. You can go to NFL.com slash FedEx to vote for him. And, yes, we're talking about ground because he had 106 rushing yards against the Dolphins. He's got some stiff competition. Delvin Cook. Yeah, he's been okay. (laughs) Now, Craig, I didn't want to get into this. Because you know how I feel about the MVP. You got to win the average over the last five years is 13 wins. I definitely think he should be in the offensive player of the year for midseason. Now, ESPN came out with their top three MVPs, okay? 
Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, obviously teams winning their their touchdown to ratio is pretty impressive. But, Craig, I had to go back and look at the first eight games last year for Lamar Jackson. They were 6-2. and two. And looking at Kyler Murray, they're 5-3. and three. Kyler Murray's numbers are better. The one difference, though, is what happens over these next eight as far as wins and losses. And they were 6-2, yeah. and two and, and, and Cardinals are 5. Just to give you an idea, uh, Murray's completing 68%. Lamar, 64. Murray has 16 touchdown passes. He had 12. Quarterback rating, Kyle has higher. Uh, yards per rush, higher. Eight rushing touchdowns. And he has more yards, again. It's about winning, though. I'd trade all this in. I'm sure if we talked to Kyler Murray, a true Serum uh, conversation, he would trade those stats in for wins. Well, and that's why he was so disappointed on Sunday, despite how well he played and what he did, almost 400 yards by himself and four total touchdowns, yet not able to come away with a win against the Dolphins. In fact, if you look at what he has done this season – First career double-triple for Murray on Sunday. That's you reach triple digits in two different yardage categories. 16 touchdown passes. Only Carson Palmer had more through the first eight games of a season for the Cardinals. Palmer had 20 in 2015. NFL history. Murray, first player to have both a rushing and passing touchdown seven times in the first eight games of a season. First player in the Super Bowl era with at least eight rushing touchdowns through the first eight games of a season. Over 500 rushing yards, becoming the fourth quarterback to rush for 500-plus yards in each of his first two seasons. Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, the other three. And right now, the only player in history to throw for 5,000-plus yards and 30-plus touchdowns and rush for 1,000-plus yards and 10-plus touchdowns in their first 24 career starts. That is what the Cardinals have in Kyler Murray. That is why everything is so promising, yet at the same time, these stats, these figures mean nothing unless you're winning ball games on Sundays. Well, and if you want to bottom line it, he's 10-13-1 in his career. Now – Again, last year, you know, you bring in a, a college coach and making his debut as an NFL coach. Um, you know, obviously they try to run out that 10 personnel. It didn't work. But clearly, I mean, the expectations are higher because the, the, the roster is better. But this team is – the next two or three years, you're going to see major strides. And he's already doing it now. And he, he's one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. And that's according to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, he would know, but just to, just to see the improvement in the leadership, and we know based on last year, you know when they was you know they started off winless besides a tie, it bothered him, it really bothered him, and then they they got you know got on a nice little winning streak three games in the middle there, when they started playing like Cincinnati and the Giants etc. But yeah, I I just love his uh, personality and his his demeanor because. You know, it's one thing to put up these numbers and people pat you on the back, but at the end of the day, and if you followed him since he's been drafted, he doesn't like to lose. His will to win, his competitive is like anything I've ever seen, and that's why I didn't have a problem with how he handled postgame. He was obviously disappointed. You walk off the field with not the opportunity to win the ball game because it's not you on the field, it's your kicking, and a field goal kicker comes up short. And that happens, but now all of a sudden you've got to change in the matter of, what, five, ten minutes and answer questions to the media 
And it's tough for a lot of players to kind of dial it down and decompress and then provide insightful answers. Now, what happens in the next five, ten years? Does it become more like a Kurt Warner and a Carson Palmer? Perhaps. But right now, this means so much to him. And I'm not saying it didn't mean a lot to Warner and Palmer, but it certainly does take some maturity to be able to turn on, turn off. And right now, immediately after ball games, Murray's the type of player that it takes a little, a little while to dial it back down. Well, just to give you know, we'll peel the curtains back a little bit. If you're not aware of this, they have a cooling off period. Sometimes it can be 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, the only reason I'm bringing this up is Cliff told the media that they had some interesting conversations in that locker room after the game. You know, maybe squandered a great opportunity. And so he comes out there, and I think our mother or our parents always told you, if you got nothing good to say, don't say it at all, right? That's what my thought, thought was when I was watching that, and it was very awkward, very uncomfortable to listen to and watch. But to your point, yes, better not to say anything than to say something that you'll regret later. Because you got to go back in that locker room. And, you know, one thing's, you know, calling out players or – getting on them to make sure they're doing their job and cutting down the mental layers. He's proven that, you know, he's that guy. If you're a guy that's, you know, not playing well, nobody wants to hear from you. When you're playing well and you're the face of the franchise and he actually looks at you, you're part of the the, the, the circle here. Uh, we need you, so I want you to play better or, you know, cut down on the air. So, uh, I just really like his demeanor, and um, I, I think that's why he wants to be great. He doesn't want to be good. He wants to be great. Yeah, he is certainly putting forth the work as well. He talked about cutting down the number of sacks they had down. a year ago, 48 and 2019. Right now they have just 10, Eight which games. is tied for the second fewest in the league. So you've gone from 48 to 10. They talked about, and not only Murray, but the offense line talked about cutting that 48 and a half, 24. That's still a number that is very respectable around the league, but, heck, they're on pace to lower even that to 20. Yeah, and he's not taking a lot of hits. You know, last year he took a lot of hits, and, and I think the previous game was probably the hardest hit he's taken so far. Like Cliff said, he he, he was diving head first. Usually he gets that pop-up slide from the baseball background where he's able to get out of trouble and then sit. We haven't seen him sit as much this year, huh? No. I think he realizes that every yard matters and every play has become so important to where, yes, you throw one away to live for the next down, yeah. but sometimes if you have possession of the football, it's worth it to get that extra yard or two. Yes, he's smart about running out of bounds, Yeah. But if there is a defender in his way, he's willing to take the hit. And I think not only does that speak volumes of him, but it earns him some street cred for his teammates. Well, there's no doubt. And, and other teams see that, you know, and, and they know that the, every every time the, the Cardinals play an opponent, it's it's funny. You know, I remember last year one of the Niners said he's like a squirrel chasing him, you know. Yeah. May have been Solomon. Actually, it was DeForest Buckner who got traded in the offseason to the Colts. He said – Going against that guy twice, and we know how well they played him. Again, we'll take the split, but they didn't win those games. But uh, for the most part, he said it, chasing him is like chasing a squirrel. And you can just imagine that, you know. So, yeah, and, and every week, and I like the fact now he knows where the first down marker is, and instead of, you know, maybe trying to get an extra yard, he's going right to the sidelines and he's putting the ball out 
to get you know more yardage to where yes he crossed the plane and now it's a first down before he was just trying to get out you don't want to take the hit live for the next down but he's actually become better in the open field when he's going out of bounds and trying to pick up that first down. It's the little things that yeah. are certainly making him a much better player, a much better quarterback, and a much better leader for this Arizona Cardinals team, not just the offense, but his relationship, on-field relationship with Christian Kirk certainly has developed over the last couple of games, and this is really a relationship that dates back to their pre-college days when you're making the high school circuit and all those recruiting trips and nearly played with one another or in fact they did play with one another for a little while at Texas A&M but Christian Kirk we know what he did on Sunday the five catches for a season best 123 yards and one touchdown but MJ it's what he's done since missing week three because of that injury he came back and not only is he healthy and he's staying healthy 20 catches for 343 yards, six touchdowns on 31 targets. And Hopkins only has three touchdowns, and he's been targeted a lot more, and he's got a lot more receptions. And that's why, you know, going into last week, he led the league in in receptions and yardage. Now, you know, obviously, you know, Christian Kirk's become the deep threat. So if you can get behind the defense, he's going to catch some of those balls. But what's impressive to me is, you know, five or six of his touchdowns, Craig, have come 50-plus yards. I mean, and when you see the stat, it shows a T next to it. So those are touchdowns. And, again, you know, the Cardinals felt uh, they needed, a, you know, another receiver in the mix. Uh, obviously, it didn't pan out with guys like Chad Williams and J.J. Nelson. But, you know, next year, I mean, depending on what Fitz does, I mean, I can see his numbers going up. The only thing is he's got to stay healthy. Yes, and I think having a DeAndre Hopkins on this team and a Larry Fitzgerald, there's been a trickle down because less attention focused on the number three wide receiver. It just so happens that that is Christian Kirk this season. We'll see what happens next season. But if you're going to focus solely on number 10 and number 11, then someone else has to pick up the slack. Someone else has to step up their game, and Christian Kirk has done that since missing week three. No doubt, and I, I want to see more from Andy Isabella. I mean – he shows flashes. Um, don't like the fact that he got an opportunity to kick return, taking that out of the end zone. I mean, and then he gets a catch and he goes backwards. Now they're always they always tell you rush up field. Now it, it happened in the Monday night game where they they threw a pass and he didn't get the first down. Um, but sometimes you just got to take what they give you. So I want to see him become more consistent. I think he's made strides, but there are certain points in the game where. You know, he's going to have a drop or something, and I don't know if they can afford that when he's on the field. Now, again, he's worked really hard. He's hard on himself more than anybody else. He's made major strides. I like the way he's catching the ball, but they're going to need him at some point because you just mentioned if you're going to focus on Hopkins and Fitz because we know Fitz is a sticks guy. He's going to find the sticks, get you a first down, and then you get Christian Kirk in there who's going to draw the number three cornerback, possibly a slot guy, a slot cornerback. And so if they want to go four wide, Andy Isabella is that fourth receiver. The one thing I would like to see Isabella improve upon, and maybe this is only going to improve upon with experience, but it's field awareness. And I'll go back to that reception that he had on Sunday. You needed seven yards. He had it, caught it, but then spun. As he was spinning, he went back a couple of yards and then falls a yard short of the first down. Cliff Kingsbury calls a timeout because they think they had the first down. You want to stop the clock. And I was hoping to get a measure, but you said, yeah. 
Everything yeah. was happening so fast. Yeah. You burn a timeout. You end up punting the ball, giving the Miami Dolphins more time, and they yeah. end up kicking a field goal going into the locker room. But it's just little things like that we talked about with Kyler Murray, the little things he's learning and developing and improving. Isabella needs to do the same if he wants to take that next step as a wide receiver. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great word. I never thought of field awareness. I may have to steal that from you. That's okay. It's not copyrighted or anything. Okay, yeah, but that's that's exactly what's going on. Well, you know, just by watching Larry Fitzgerald, no matter where he is on the field, and for some of these players, I don't know how you figure out where the yardage is when you're – I mean, it's easy for fans in the media when you're up high watching it or the fans, you got that yellow and, line. And the mark on the TV, that's not, that's not 100% accurate. <laughs> no, and obviously it doesn't show up when you're in person watching a right. game. But these wide receivers have a natural instinct – where it's third and seven, they know they have to go maybe eight yards if you're going to come back a yard. You don't want to run short of the sticks. And sometimes you see a lot of young receivers that are open, but a quarterback's not going to throw you the ball because you catch it, get tackled. You're short of a first down. We just wasted an opportunity. Go beyond the sticks, and then if you have to come back, you've still given yourself that cushion. I know, you know, when Cardinal fans are watching the game and it's third and 14 or third and 60 and they throw a screen pass or a dump-off pass, they're just basically trying to get field position. I'm not saying they're conceding, um, but you don't want to be reckless. It's better to punt than turn the football over. So I know there's frustration. Why are they you know, trying to get some yards here where they're not trying to get the first down? That's just playing field position. Because you want a little bit more room either for your punter or maybe even pin the opposing yeah. team deep And then your defense territory. makes a stop and you get field, good field position. I'm sure Murray would love to throw it, but – you got to be smart, and you know the Cardinals. Uh, they've been averaging more plays per game than they were did a year ago. No surprise there. They're averaging probably six to seven more points per game. No surprise there. But you know, it, it, you know they're probably getting. Last week they had nine possessions. The, the Dolphins had nine, usually around ten or eleven. And the fact that Andy Lee only punted one time um, it was it wasn't a great punt. But anyways, yeah, the little things could be holding his team back too. That's true. That's a good point. Right now, five and three. What's the difference between seven wins, six wins, five wins? It's it's the small things. We talk about it, and we talked about it on Sunday. There's five or six plays every single every game. game, and it's just sometimes a little thing here or there that's the difference between a win and a loss, and whether you're hosting a first-round playoff game, whether you're even making the playoffs, the difference between watching playoff football or actually playing playoff football which the Cardinals want to do here in 2020. It's just so refreshing going into the game knowing that they're going to be able to score points and you know I think when they take the field uh, and I think they started in week one they feel like they can beat anybody. Now you can't have turnovers if you expect to win. When you, if you're minus two or three or four in a turnover battle that that's a tough haul but I feel like when they step on the field they have the same amount of talent on the opposing team. Now we can go position by position who has the advantage but this team is confident, and they believe in what they're doing here, and that can go a long way in the second half of the season. Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. 
Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. It is a Tuesday, and typically here on Tuesdays, we take a look at what else is going around the NFC West, as we'll do that right now here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A quick refresher, Seahawks lead the division at 6-2, and two, the Cardinals second place, the Rams third place, and the 49ers at 4-5. and five and fourth place in what right now, I guess there could be an argument on whether it is the toughest division in all of football, but you mentioned it earlier in the show. These teams now are beating each other up, so those records not as good as what it was earlier in the season when you're playing out-of-conference games or out-of-division games, and you can kind of stack those wins a little bit. Yeah, and and, you know, this year the the NFC West playing the AFC East, and obviously they're playing the NFC East and and the AFC East, so uh, you're going to have carryover, and then you know you got division games. But I think in the second half of the season, you know the Niners could play a spoiler role. We'll see the Rams. Their schedule gets a little more difficult here. Of course, the Cardinals do play them. You know when they come back from New England. So, um, but I do think they're going to kind of beat beat each other up. I don't think anybody's going 14 and two. I don't think anybody's going 13 and three like a year ago. So the main thing is you got eight games to go, get at least five or six wins, and now you're in that conversation for possibly the NFC West. And then all of a sudden, if you have to uh, you know, go on the road as a wild card, this team would sign up in a heartbeat. The division collectively 20 and 10 with the Seahawks accounting for six of those wins, although they lost on Sunday at the Bills 44-34. They've now lost two in a row talking about the Seahawks. But they trailed at halftime 24-10. to 10. Quoting head coach Pete Carroll, I don't recognize that game. We haven't seen us look like that. It's a game that I don't have any place in my brain for it. They made it look easy, end quote. And obviously he's talking about that Bills offense, which will be at State Farm Stadium this week. Josh Allen, three first-half touchdowns. He had four total touchdowns in that game and passed for 415 yards yeah I, I you know I, I can't speak for Pete Carroll but I, I I think what he was looking at is I haven't seen Russell Wilson in back-to-back weeks turn the ball over eight times yeah that was unlike Wilson two, two interceptions, interceptions two, two fumbles, fumbles. Yeah. yeah and then that's unusual I mean this guy was playing like an MVP he was sacked five times hit another 16 times wow. yet all of that, he still managed to throw the football for 390 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, a lot of that stuff came in the second half. You know, obviously, you know, Buffalo felt good about the lead, and, you know, Josh Allen had a touchdown to kind of preserve the victory and at that point. But, you know, hey, you got to play four quarters. We know that. The Cardinals haven't played. They'll, they'll tell you they haven't played a complete game offense, defense, or special teams, but I, I think they're getting closer. And, you know, it was disappointing for me when I was driving home from the game the other night was just and it sounds obvious six and two versus five and three but it's it's like it was such a winnable game again I'm we talked about on paper on paper the entire offseason and now we're talking about what's happening on the field like I told you uh yesterday if you'd have told me five and three uh, going into the second half of the season sign me up um six and two sounds a lot better Absolutely. And the uh, Cardinals, by the way, will have one more game against the Seahawks. And then, in fact, that is coming up next week, Thursday night football show, a short week for the Cardinals. And they'll have to travel to Seattle, which announced prior to that game on Sunday that Pete Carroll, the oldest head coach in the league, signed a multi-year contract extension through 2025. Now, they said that was done before the season. He's probably like. Why is it coming out today? We just got beat back-to-back weeks. Well, the Seahawks never announced it until Sunday, too. I know. 
I know, but it, it happened in the offseason. Uh, I don't think he's got to worry about his future there. It's amazing when I see him, and, and you know, I always kind of mock him on the chewing gum, but uh, that guy's got so much energy. 69 years old, and this right now, his 11th season with the Seahawks, and again, signed through 2025. Wow, and they've only missed the playoffs once? I believe that Since was the, the Wilson Carroll yeah. um, connection. The uh, winningest head coach in Seahawks franchise history. By the way, the Seahawks travel this week. They'll be at the Rams, Los Angeles. Coming off that bye, they are 5-3 and three on the season. And uh, the big talk with the Rams is just the inconsistency week to week, much like the same conversation that Cardinal fans have had with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Jared Goff, he, he got hit a little bit, turned the ball over. You know, he's kind of like Tarzan or Jane. You just don't know what you're going to get with that guy. And, and really, it's all predicated on them running the football. I mean, you know, Cooper Cup's one of the best, um, you know, slot receivers in football. They got some guys that can, you know, take the top off the defense and Robert Woods, but they're they're going running back by committee. Um, the defense, uh, I think they flashed a little bit here. Um, but again, you know, let's be honest, uh, Sean McVay has had the advantage on the Cardinals going back to Steve Wilkes. Yeah, has not lost to the Cardinals. Let's hopefully that will change. It has to change, Craig. This is the year you got to jump the Rams. Sean McVay on the Rams offense so far, quote, it's been up and down overall, not consistent enough for the standards that we have, end quote. The Rams are scoring 24 points a contest that are allowing. The defense, though, has been solid, only 19 points a contest. And, of course, Aaron Donald doing Aaron Donald-type things, 28 pressures, nine sacks. And I saw this stat. He's been double-teamed a league high on 171 plays. <laughs> and still producing. Still producing. Yeah. You know, you're telling me the Cardinals are averaging more points than the Rams? Scoring more, yes. And I think allowing less as well. I have to double-check on that latter part, though. Wow. Man, the NFC West changing of the guard. All right. Just double-checked. Okay. Yes, they are scoring more, but they are allowing 22.5 points compared to the Rams' 19. So they're closing the gap, if you will, when you talk about the Rams' defense and Cardinals' defense. Well, yes, and, and, but offensively, that's, you know, I know defense probably wins in the postseason. You know, the weather gets different. Teams kind of get more conservative. Um, but the fact is that, you know, they've been chasing the Rams in that offense for a couple of years now. Yeah, the uh, last team that we want to touch on real quick, the 49ers, they are 4-5. and five. They played on Thursday night football, lost at home to the Packers 34-17, and I think we are starting to see that separation, MJ. Not a Super Bowl hangover, I don't think. I just believe it's been injuries because guys would get hurt, go on injured reserve, come off injured reserve, and then all of a sudden the guys that were playing, the backups, if you will, they end up getting hurt. We know Jimmy Garoppolo might not need surgery on his right ankle, but he's dealing with a high ankle sprain once again. And we know that um, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins will, uh, or perhaps C.J. Beathard and no, Josh think, Johnson, yeah. uh, the uh, other quarterbacks on the roster. I think they're going to go with Mullins. I, you know, he obviously had that bad game on a Thursday night, and they brought in C.J. Beathard. They both been in the system since Shanahan's been there, but it looks like Nick Mullins. And you know, you wonder what the record is. You know, three or four weeks from now, did they just shut Jimmy G down? And the big question in the off season is. Do they bring him back? I mean, they did flirt with Tom Brady. They obviously made a decision. Brady, would, you know, he uh, he ended up going to the Bucks. But uh, and and you look at, I mean, 
I mean, it's hard to replace Nick Bosa. And Richard Sherman's still out. He designated for return yeah. from injured reserve. I saw Today. yesterday, oh, okay. but now he hasn't played since week one. There's, I mean, he's eligible to come back yeah. this could be, week. Could be a couple weeks. It though. could be still. You got that 21 day window before you have to make a decision. But yeah, yeah that's, and, and that's a huge loss defensively, no doubt. And because um, he's he's obviously you know carved his niche not only in Seattle but San Francisco. I mean, he he look at his interception ratio since he's been in the league. He's one of the better players. What is he a fifth round pick? Uh, yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah, day three pick. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's just, you know, you hate to see it. The injury bug happens, but uh, they're going to have some major decisions to make in the offseason. Now, the good news for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they did sign six-year contracts. Yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere, <laughs> but the players might be uh, turning over left and right. 49ers this week at the 6-2 and two Saints. Good luck. Yeah, we know what the Saints did on Sunday Night Football to what many believe was the team to beat in the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was a uh, that was a very one-sided contest. And that was surprising. You know, the, the the Buccaneers didn't play well against the Giants on Monday Night Football the week before. Well, what do we say? It's any any given Sunday, every team can beat any team. And but the thing is, they swept them now. That's true as far Tie as – Tiebreaker. Yeah. I mean, the Falcons, I mean, give Raheem Morris. They're winning games. They're, they're playing a lot better. Um, you know, Carolina, they're 3-6. and six. Uh, I think they're excited about their future. But when you when you win both games against the Bucks home and away, I mean, that's a huge situation there. And on that note, well, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We begin the second half of the season officially – on Wednesday. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.